last night's CNN YouTube Republican debate had several surprises, and some candidates took off the gloves for a few personal attacks on their fellow candidates. We'll give you the blow-by-blow. And how is liberalism hurting children? We'll discuss it with the author of Freedom's Orphans. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th. 1941, Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. Jesus was too smart to ever run for public office, Anderson. That's what Jesus would do. All right. That's former governor of Arkansas, Mike Huckabee. And he has been able to come up with the laugh lines and the applause lines. He's running for president of the United States. Last night at the YouTube debate uh, that CNN hosted, He again, he brought the House down uh, with that kind of folksy uh, humor. And um, we're going to talk in just a minute with two political experts about this debate. We're going to talk about media bias, immigration, guns, Iraq, abortion, homosexuality. And just a moment, we'll talk to the founder of the Christian Coalition, Executive Director Ralph Reed, and also Carl Jeffers. But also today, a former congressman who led the effort to impeach President Bill Clinton, Henry Hyde, has died. Here he is in 1999 as chairman of the House Judiciary Committee approving the articles of impeachment against President Clinton. Wherefore, William Jefferson Clinton, by such conduct, warrants impeachment and trial and removal from office and disqualification to hold and enjoy any office of honor, trust, or profit under the United States. All right, that was a courageous moment. in the work of Henry Hyde, certainly to go forth with those articles of impeachment when many people were bringing, even in his own party, great political pressure to bear for him not to do so. And he stood tall on that day. But I am more grateful for the fact that this man stood for human life uh, before it was really cool. That is, as a congressman, he introduced an amendment, the Hyde Amendment, which essentially kept the federal government out of the business of funding abortion in every spending bill. And uh, this Hyde Amendment became a tradition that really kept the federal government, for the most part, out of the business of funding abortion. We thank God for Henry Hyde and his stand for the sanctity of human life. 
Well, later in the program, we'll be talking about liberalism. Is it good for children? We'll be talking to a fellow at the Witherspoon Institute, author of Freedom's Orphans, Contemporary Liberalism and the Fate of American Children. But first, the YouTube debate last night on CNN. The highest ratings for any debate thus far. What do we make of it? On abortion, on guns, on Iraq, on immigration. And what do we make of the front runners and the second tier? With us to talk about it is Ralph Reed. He's founder and president of Century Strategies, former chairman of the Georgian Republican Party, and executive director, former of the Christian Coalition. Ralph, welcome to the program. Thanks, Jerry. Good to be with you. It's always a pleasure. Ralph, tell me, uh, what do you make of this debate last night, particularly the front runners, Rudy, Romney, and, of course, Huckabee on a kind of a surge right now? Well, he is, and, um, you know, not surprising for those of us who have known Mike for many years, as I've been privileged to do. He's a good candidate. Um, he's very personable. Uh, obviously, he shares the values and the faith of many of the folks, not only in the party, but in the country. Um, I've always thought that uh, candidates who were likable, uh, who who had conservative convictions and principles, and who had the ability to speak unapologetically and, and authentically about their faith and their values, you know, generally always do well. Um, so I'm not surprised. I, I will tell you this. I think that... Um, on on at least one level, uh, meaning, you know, sort of resumes, credentials, background, careers, I think you could make a case that this is the strongest field the Republican Party has ever fielded. Mm. And that's saying a lot, because we've had some good fields in the past, but, you know, you've got Rudy Giuliani, who turned around New York City, that which no one thought was possible. Uh, obviously, you know, there are many who disagree with him on some of the moral issues, but even so, uh, with, with that strong difference, this is, a, this is an appealing candidate who's doing extremely well in the polls. I think Mitt Romney, who I've gotten a chance to meet and get to know well, is, is one of the most attractive and effective candidates I've ever met at any level. I mean, you look at what he did with the Salt Lake City Olympics, uh, turned around Massachusetts, uh, was elected governor of a blue state and governed it effectively, stood tall on the issue of same-sex marriage, uh, opposing the Massachusetts Supreme Court decision. Um, you know, an incredible business success. Obviously, too long to mention all of them, but sure. Thompson with his Senate career and acting background, uh, John McCain, a decorated uh, POW veteran. You know, this is a really strong field, and here's what's interesting about it. If you look at where we are right now, it's possible, and I'm not in the prediction business, but it's possible that you could have Huckabee or Romney win Iowa, uh, maybe Romney win New Hampshire. Uh, right now, probably Romney Thompson or, or Giuliani win South Carolina, and then Giuliani win Florida, uh, <laughs> and you could go to February 5th with three or four different winners and four primaries. Well, that would be something new, I think. And, uh, it would be unprecedented. <laughs> well, let's talk about what some of them have to do. Um, 
you know, to move ahead. Let's talk about Rudy, the obvious front runner. Now, you mentioned did a great job, apparently, of turning around New York and really responding and galvanizing the nation in the city after 9-11. Right. But uh, you are the former executive director of the Christian Coalition. And, of course, you know, abortion and homosexuality, there are a lot of conservative Republicans, evangelicals out there, and they just don't want to compromise on these issues. Right. And then there's the Bubba factor on immigration, sanctuary city, on on guns and Second Amendment uh, rights, they 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 don't feel strong about Rudy there. What does Rudy have to do? Uh, can he do anything to win these people? And uh, you know, what's your what's your thought on that? Well, first of all, let me let me speak as somebody who is both a Republican strategist and was former head of the Christian Coalition, and I've devoted my career to making sure that the Republican Party was not only a party of limited government and lower taxes and a strong national defense, but also a party of values uh, that, that, that advocated the protection of innocent human life, strengthening the family, and honoring marriage. I just believe real strongly about that. Right. So my advice to the pro-family movement, including many of your listeners, would be, um, you know, don't make an 80% friend a 20% enemy and do everything you can in this primary process to move every one of the candidates, and I mean every one of them, as far in your direction as you can. And I think in the case of, of, of Mayor Giuliani, I think if you look at his speech uh, the other week to the Value Voter Summit, sponsored by the Family Research Council and other organizations in Washington, uh, you know, he said the following, if I'm elected president, I will appoint conservative judges who will interpret the law and not legislate from the bench in the model of Samuel Alito, Clarence Thomas, uh, Anton Scalia, and, and uh, Chief Justice well, Roberts. That's, that's pro-life code there. That, that is saying that you will have strict constructionist judges on the courts. He has publicly said that he accepts the Republican platform as it is and will not attempt to change the pro-life plank. He has said that he will honor the Henry Hyde, the Hyde Amendment. Of course, we, we honor today yes. the memory of Henry Hyde. He said he'll sign it. He said if he gets legislation uh, including more restrictions on abortion as president, he would sign it. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not, a, I'm not here today on your show as an advocate for any candidate. Right. I'm, I'm here as an advocate for a set of principles, and what I'm saying is that we ought to move everyone as far in the direction of the principles that we hold dear as we can. And let me give you another example. Uh, Mitt Romney. Yes. You know, there have been a lot of people who have called him a flip-flopper. <laughs> well, let me tell you something, and I mean this very sincerely. Again, not advocating any candidate. I've spent my whole life trying to get people to flip-flop on abortion. <laughs> That's good. Listen, if the only people who are with us on the protection of innocent human life in their mother's womb and at every stage of life including when they're aged, disabled, infirm, or elderly. If the only people who are with us on that issue are the people who are with us at the beginning, we will never win. Mm. Ronald Reagan came our way. George H.W. Bush came our way. We've had a lot of people who've come our way on this issue, and you know what? There is no better advocate than a convert. Well, that's good. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking with Ralph Reed. He's founder and president of Century Strategies, uh, recognized once as 50 
in the 50 Future Leaders of America by Time Magazine, former executive director of the Christian Coalition. Ralph, let's go back to uh, Handicap Romney for a minute because uh, others in the evangelical movement concerned that Mom, Romney is a Mormon. What does Romney have to do um, to, you know, to allay fears about that? Well, I think that uh, in the end, what all Americans, including Americans of faith, are looking for in a president is three things. Number one, they're looking for somebody who shares their values. Uh, number two, they're looking for somebody who, who is uniquely qualified to lead. That is to say that they have the, the leadership ability, talents, skills, and capabilities, some of which are God-given, some of which are learned, uh, to lead and to get things done. Um, you know, there are a lot of people that I love that I just don't think are capable of leading a country right, of 300 right. million people at a time of war. Right. And thirdly, they're looking for people with character. Now, my view is, again, not advocating any candidate, is that for uh, social conservatives, I think that uh, uh, really just about everybody in the Republican field uh, fits those three uh, categories. I have never believed that conservative people of faith, people of uh, strong uh, belief in God and, uh, and, and believing that strengthening the family was a paramount concern, have voted for people based on where they went to church or, or, where the, or how they were baptized. If that were the case, they would have never voted against one of the most explicitly evangelical figures in the modern era, namely Jimmy Carter, to elect the first divorced man to ever sit in the Oval Office, Ronald Reagan, who, by the way, uh, said that he didn't go to church uh, regularly because of security concerns, and said that the term born again was not one that he subscribed to because it wasn't used in his church. Hey, Ralph, we're about to run out of time very quickly. That's good stuff. What about Mike Huckabee? Uh, what does he need to do now to move to the next level? Because he is surging I, right it's now. It's a great question. And I think what Mike's got to do uh, is he's, he's already got the appeal of his personality, his speaking ability, and his belief on the social and moral issues. But there have been concerns raised about his record on taxes and immigration and some other fiscal and, and other cultural issues in Arkansas. I think he needs to go on offense, not defense, and he needs to lean into those questions and give compelling answers, because now that he's doing as well as he's doing in the polls, he's going to come under, uh, you know, the same level of scrutiny of anybody who does well, and I, I think he ought to lean into it. He's in the big leagues now. Thank you, Ralph. This is very good analysis, and uh, we hope to have you back soon. Look forward to it. All right, folks. So we've heard about Rudy and Romney and Huckabee last night. When we come back, we'll listen to some sound from these men. And we'll talk about whether or not CNN was biased by bringing in a Hillary Clinton advisor, not just for a YouTube question, but in the audience. And we're going to talk about Thompson and McCain and Hunter when we come back. It's Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. You heard the discussions. Because we've talked about a lot of the problems, but we want to transition now to practical solutions. And the solutions. Check their content, you check their conduct, and you check their converts. Now hear it all again, anytime. KCBI's Town Hall Meeting, The Battle for Truth. Beware of false prophets. Nobody likes controversy, and yet there's some things worth fighting for. 
This exclusive presentation is available in a two-CD set. It makes a great resource for you, a friend, even a church library. And I think what we need to do is we need to preach the truth. To order, call anytime, 817-299-4247 and follow the prompts. I have no problem with people teaching that God wants to bless them. The battle for truth. But when it just comes to that one issue right there, you know, it's either put up or shut up. It's a month-long focus here on CRN, the Criswell Radio Network. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. We've got to strengthen the border. We've got to enforce the border. We've got to punish employers, employers who will not obey the law. And we've got to eliminate sanctuary cities. Okay, that's Fred Thompson, former senator running for president of the United States. He said last night on the YouTube debate that we've got to get tough on illegal immigration. Here's Tom Tancredo. No surprise here. Massive immigration, both legal and illegal, does a couple of things. One of it is makes it difficult for us to assimilate. The other thing is that it does take jobs. I, I reject the idea. I reject the idea categorically that there are jobs that, quote, no American will take. Tom Tancredo, now Duncan Hunter on illegal immigration. We built the double border fence with a road in between, and we reduced the smuggling of people and drugs by more than 90%. And as a result of that, the crime rate, the crime rate in the city of San Diego went down by 53% by FBI statistic. Hunter on immigration. And these three men are tough and uh, getting applause. But we saw something different when it came to Rudy Giuliani on immigration. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And in the last segment, we talked to conservative activist Ralph Reed. No doubt he is uh, linked with the Republicans. And now in this segment, a Democrat response. Our favorite Democrat, Carl Jeffers, is here. He's host of a show, On Fire with Carl Jeffers. He's an editorial contributor to the Huffington Post, the Seattle Times. Carl, welcome back to the program. Hi, Jerry. Good to be with you today. All right, Carl. Uh, what's your assessment of this debate last night? Well, I would say the, the first thing is that uh, if you came from another planet or from another country even, you'd have, to, you'd have a hard time trying to figure out who the current president of the United States is because every single candidate up there last night was running so far away from George Bush. They, 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 uh, they invoked the name of Ronald Reagan, Colin Powell. I heard a couple of We Like Ikes up there, but, but no George Bush, Jerry. So, so that, well, that's something uh, to think about. I, I don't hear you talking about Bill Clinton either, <laughs> oh, but, <the laughs> but I know they're, they're, Repu- they're Republicans, though. I know that. But let me, uh, uh, let me place... Bottom line is, Jerry, uh, that I think there was a good debate. I think, frankly, there was no candidate up there last night who made a major faux pas or had anything negative in terms of what he said as it relates to... Was the there debate. a winner? Was there a winner? I would say because none of the major tier candidates took over and sort of hit a home run, that as a result, you'd have to say if you really got a score, that that left an opening for Mike Huckabee Again. Uh, because he now is gaining uh, the kind of resonance that if uh, in another few weeks you'd have to include his name as the top tier. I mean, because no one in the top tier pulled away. I do think Fred Thompson had his best performance so far last night. He seemed comfortable. 
poised. He looked good, and believe it or not, that's important. That's one of the reasons I think Mitt Romney is a sleeper, because he's the Republican who, in the general election debate, he looks very presidential. He's the only one that can take one family up there on the stage with him. He's got a lot going for him. And I think Fred Thompson also had a, a command of facts last night that has been uh, somewhat missing in his previous performances. So he looked good. I think John McCain scored major points last night. I think it helped him uh, to have Ron Paul questioning the, uh, the, the war and John McCain being able to respond with positives about the surge. Giuliani, in fact, did not hurt himself, but he did make one statement about everything being perfectly in order with respect to the billing in New York for his security uh, when he was going to visit his girlfriend versus his wife. And it didn't hurt him in the debate, but they will definitely play that quote again if continuing information comes out about the fact that they hid that billing among departments that were supposedly legal affairs, legal defense funds, other activities in New York. But in terms of the debate itself, no one had a major problem. No one was negative. So in the, on balance, because of that, Mike Huckabee uh, looks better. And probably Ron Paul took more votes away from Democratic candidates last night than any other candidate on the Democratic side. Yeah, because uh, he's opposed to the war. Now, let's do this, Carl. Let's listen to two or three sound bites uh, on immigration. And here's some sparring between Rudy and Romney. Here's Rudy ask about New York City being a sanctuary city. And the reality is that New York City was not a sanctuary city. New York City reported every single illegal immigrant that New York City could find that either committed a crime or was suspected of a crime. So he said, we reported those who committed a crime. And Mitt Romney now picks up on this. As a matter of fact, when the Welfare Reform Act that President Clinton brought forward uh, said that they were going to end the sanctuary policy of New York City, the mayor actually brought a suit to maintain its sanctuary city status. And the idea that they reported any uh, illegal alien that committed a crime, how about the fact that people who are here illegally are violating the law? They didn't report everybody they found that was here illegally. Carl, you heard the applause there. I guess this is my question to you. We've got Buchanan coming on next week. This is a hot issue out there, and I think it's going to intensify next year for the Republicans and the Democrats. It seems like Rudy has been soft on this in New York City. Uh, the Republican base wants the tough on illegal, illegal immigration line. That's what they want. Do you think Rudy is going to be able to remain sort of the front runner Weak on guns, weak on illegal immigration, weak on abortion, weak on homosexuality. These are some of the bread and butter issues for Republicans. Uh, is he going to make it? I have never said that he was going to absolutely make it. And, and I, in fact, on my own shows and in commentary, I've been doing for the last two months, uh, Jerry, I've been saying to look for Mitt Romney to be the sleeper to come through precisely because of the issues that you just raised. And I would only quote Laura Ingram, a well-known uh, conservative commentator and radio talk shows throughout the country, who in response to Pat Robinson's endorsement of Rudy Giuliani, said that come the general election, when Rudy Giuliani really bears his, his moderate to more liberal positions, she says that Pat Robinson and many other conservatives will jump off the Rudy Giuliani bandwagon at 65 miles an hour, but it'll be too late then. Well, let me ask you this question, because um, you've got all of these candidates... Duncan Hunter, for instance, um, you know, I like him. I like his platform. I like his style, but he's at around 1% nationally. Um, Tancredo got a strong message on immigration. He's not polling, you know, at 
over 5%. Uh, Ron Paul is up at 6%. A lot of life there and zip and zest. Do you think that some of these candidates need to start dropping out? Oh, yeah. I mean, we've got to re- rethink this entire process, uh, Jerry, because you could actually raise the same issue on the Democratic side. I mean, you've got Dennis Kucinich over there. You, you had Mike Gravel from the... Many, many people didn't even know where he was from. He's actually Alaska. from Alaska. Up until the last debate, he was there. Kucinich will be able to go through uh, probably all the way until the last debates. And the problem is, is that these are candidates who right now, you know they will never get the nomination. Duncan Hunter, Tancredo, uh, uh, they can not only not get the nomination, they won't win a single primary. And the same with, with, with Kucinich. And what that does is does two things that are negative, Jerry, for both Democrats and Republicans. One, it, it, it takes away time from the primary candidates having the opportunity to really debate and discuss the issues in an informed way so that voters can really learn how they stand. Because you've got 90 minutes. If you have to divide it up between four people versus nine people, there's, there's less people, uh, less time for the four if there's nine other candidates. But the second negative is, uh, uh, Jerry, is that it tends to be the candidates in the 1% that you were mentioning, 1% and 2%, they tend to be on the extreme of whatever positions the main candidates are taking in either party. And as a result, they tend to move the theme of the discussion away. And so Ron Paul forces, he got a, you mentioned the applause that Tancredo and the others got, he got a lot of applause too did. from the comments he was making, as does Kucinich when he talks about impeaching President Bush, and none of those represent <laughs> the mainstream positions of either the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. All right, Carl, you're in the media. Uh, one of the big stories last night, the question on homosexuals in the military. I want to play Anderson's Coop, Anderson Cooper's apology. Apparently, this general who asked the YouTube question uh, was a Hillary Clinton advisor at some point in the campaign. Here's Cooper's apology. Bill Bennett earlier mentioned that he was getting some reports from uh, friends of his on the Internet that uh, Brigadier General Keith Kerr, who asked a question about gays in the military during this debate, uh, was on a steering committee for uh, Senator Hillary Clinton. Uh, that was certainly something unknown to us, and had we known that, would have been uh, disclosed by us. Uh, it turns out we have just looked at it. Apparently there was a press release from some six months ago. Hillary Clinton uh, officer well, uh, saying that's that... enough of that. That's enough of that. But I want to point out something, Carl, and ask you to respond. Mm-hmm. It's not just that this man asked a YouTube question, as Cooper just said. They had him in the audience. They knew where he was. They took the mic to him. He stood up. They asked him to follow up and sort of to give a rebuttal. I mean, they knew who this guy really, really was. And, and I note this. The Republicans will go to CNN for a debate. The Democrats will not go to Fox for a debate. Does this reinforce uh, concepts conservatives have of media bias. Uh, I, I think you're right about the notion that it will reinforce uh, concepts that conservatives have about media bias, but that doesn't change the reality of the fact that the concept of the perception that conservatives have about media bias is less fact than it is emotion and symbolism because it's used emotionally to get people upset. And that's why people on the right do that. The reality is the reason why Republicans go to CNN is because CNN does make a general effort to try to be <laughs> fair and balanced. And Fox, Fox does Yeah, I noticed they had Bill Bennett up against five uh, Democrats in the analysis. Did you note that? I'm sorry, what was that? They had Bill Bennett up with five Democrats on the post-show analysis. <laughs> uh, let's see. Actually... You see, you had Jeffrey Tubin, he was there. Uh, you had Bill Bennett. 
Uh, you had Jamal Simpson. He was he's on the left. Yeah, you did have that. <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember the other two because one of them fair uh, and balanced. Uh, a glory, uh, a Campbell Brown is not a liberal, by the way. She comes from a very all right. We're out of time, family. Carl. I'm sorry. It's a lot of fun with you always. Thank <laughs> you for uh, helping us out here, and we'll have you on again. I look forward to it, Jerry. Good to be with you today. All right, that's Carl Jeffers. Now, folks, when we come back later in the show. We're going to play more of the actual sound, and I'm going to ask you to react to some of these candidates and what they had to say on guns and on immigration. Um, But when we come back, is liberalism bad for children? You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Crystal College and Crystal Communications. I believe the Bible is the Word of God, absolutely. And I, I, try, I try to live by it as well as I can, but I, I miss it in a lot of ways. Uh, but it's a guide for, for my life and for uh, hundreds of millions, billions of people around the world. I believe in the Bible. Does that mean you believe every word? Uh, you know, yeah, I believe it's the, the Word of All God. All right, that's Mitt Romney. He's running for president of the United States. Last night at the YouTube debate, he was asked, did he believe every word of the Bible? In a moment, we'll listen to Rudy Giuliani's answer. I think the longer he spoke, the deeper he got into a hole. And then, of course, Mike Huckabee, the former Southern Baptist pastor, answering that question, do you believe every word of the Bible? We'll also look at what they had to say about guns. Uh, but first, this question, is liberalism... Because we're talking really in these presidential debates about a philosophy of life, a philosophy of government, a philosophy of culture and child rearing. What kind of a world do we want for our children? Here's the question. Is liberalism good or bad for children? We've got a scholar with us, David Tubbs, and he's written a book, Freedoms, Orphans, Contemporary Liberalism and the Fate of of American children. Dr. Tubbs is a fellow at the Witherspoon Institute. Dr. Tubbs, thank you for being with us. Uh, Thank you, Jerry, for having me. Let me ask you this question just outright. From your research, Mm -hmm. is liberalism, we always hear this is the, the kind philosophy for children, the loving, the generous philosophy. In your view, is liberalism good or bad for children? Well, uh, I would put it in the following way, Jerry. I think liberals deserve some credit for being concerned about poverty and what might be called the economic vulnerability of children. But where liberals in the United States today go wrong is in forgetting about other kinds of vulnerability. Children are vulnerable in other ways. It's not simply a question of economic, economic vulnerability. Um, they're vulnerable because they're underdeveloped. Uh, morally, they're underdeveloped. Uh, uh, emotionally, they're underdeveloped. Intellectually, they're underdeveloped. And liberals uh, today uh, are not paying enough attention uh, to those other kinds of vulnerability. Well, let me ask you this then. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that liberals are um, 
have the right solutions when you know when it comes to children. For instance, uh, one of the things they propose is that uh, there's this sort of children's bill of rights, and mm-hmm. uh, should children have the same rights as adults? Uh, no, I would argue strongly against that, and uh, this is a position I take in the book. Uh, it's it's not hard to understand why children should not have the same rights uh, as adults. As I said a minute ago, people realize that children are underdeveloped uh, human beings. Um, and because they're underdeveloped morally, intellectually, emotionally, they can't exercise freedoms. They're just not as responsible as adults are. And for that reason, uh, this is not a solution to talk about giving children more rights as a way of promoting their welfare. That's not the way to go. And in American history, this is a new phenomenon. You look at American history from the time of the founding until, oh, 1950s, uh, 1960s, no one thought it was necessary to talk about children's welfare in terms of children's rights until very recently. Well, let's talk about, uh, you know, the rearing of children. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hillary Clinton said, you know, it takes a village. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anybody today is out there saying that women shouldn't have a right, a legal right to work. I mean, they mm-hmm. might do that in Islamic cultures. That's interesting. But, mm-hmm. but um, the question I have for you is, you know, what kind of sacrifice, maybe we've sacrificed the children, actually. Uh, what has been, you know, the downside to so many women going in the workforce who are married and who have children? Uh that has been something that liberals have championed, uh, the woman, uh, you know, breaking through the glass ceiling and, and yes. becoming more yes. and more professional and equal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, particularly when those women are mothers, is this creating, you know, a problem for our culture and our country? Well, uh, in the book, I devote a whole chapter to this question. And uh, what I say is liberals today should be more respectful of those women and men uh, uh, husbands and wives who uh, uh, prefer to have the mother at home with the children, uh, either on a full-time basis or something close to a full-time basis. That is, liberals should realize. Now, liberals uh, say that they're open-minded about uh, just just about everything. Well, they should be open-minded on this. Parents today have many good reasons uh, uh, as to why they might prefer to have uh, um, one of the parents, ordinarily the mother, at home with the children on a full-time basis. And liberals should respect that decision. You know, another thing that uh, I think many conservatives are uh, concerned about is Mm -hmm. the culture, what's on television, what's on the Internet, whether it's um, pornography or violence, uh, cursing. And, uh, you know, they're going to say, well, the Constitution, you know, protects this kind of speech and this kind of so-called art. Uh, But what does that do to our children? Well, uh, there's there's a myth uh, being perpetrated in American society today. The myth is that uh, that's the only way to understand the Constitution, that the Constitution has to be read in that way. I say it's a myth because if you look at American history, you see that the Constitution, especially the First Amendment, was not always read that way. Again, a new development. My book is mainly about changes in uh, American political thought and law since the end of the Second World War. And I describe uh, this as a new direction of liberalism. So I distinguish between what could be called classical liberalism, say before World War II, and contemporary liberalism. Contemporary liberals are so preoccupied with adult rights that they're neglecting to take into account welfare of children. 
In some circumstances, adult rights need to be regulated or perhaps restricted to promote other social goods, such as the welfare of children. So I follow exactly what you're saying, Jerry. David Tubbs has written the book, Freedom's Orphans, Contemporary Liberalism, and the Fate of American Children. Fascinating topics, interesting insight. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Jerry. All the best. All right. Well, what do we believe uh, our world should look like? That's really what we're talking about, whether it's this book or this show in general or these debates on YouTube last night. And when we talk about President of the United States and immigration, the war on terror, guns, abortion, homosexuality, what kind of a world are we creating for our children? One of the YouTube questions last night was uh, really about what kind of world are we going to leave to our children? And uh, the point was the national debt and the annual deficits, which keep adding to the debt. And we are leaving a huge, huge debt for our children. And so one of the questions was, what three departments in the federal government would you eliminate? And here is candidate Mike Huckabee's answer. Patterson, the, the first thing that I would get rid of would be the Internal Revenue Service. We'd have a complete getting rid of a $10 billion a year industry. Which, I'm not being facetious, if we enacted the fair tax, one of the most researched ways to revive our economic future, we would get rid of the IRS. Secondly, I agree, we need to revamp Homeland Security. It's a mess, and we have a real problem with the way that it's currently structured. And uh, the 30 third... seconds is up. What's that? 30 seconds is up. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'd get rid of the IRS, and that would count for most of the problems. Most people in this country are more afraid right. of an audit than they are a mugging, and there's a reason why. Okay, so that's Mike Huckabee. He says he'd get rid of the IRS. Um, that is a bold, bold agenda. And he says uh, he wants to start a fair tax, and uh, that's probably controversial uh, as a means for the government getting their income, but uh, certainly he is proposing uh, a bold initiative there. Others have proposed something similar, but uh, as he enters perhaps the top tier, I think that that proposal is probably going to get uh, the most attention, uh, Mike Huckabee. I'm going to open up the lines, 800-881-9270. 800-881-9270. If you saw the debate last night, what are your thoughts on Giuliani, on Romney, on Huckabee, on Fred Thompson, on the issues? One of the issues that's going to, I think, be a problem for Rudy Giuliani is guns. He got the question, why, if he believes in the Second Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms, why did he say that people should have to pass a test to own a gun? Andrew, what I believe is that we have to be very aggressive about enforcing the gun laws that exist. I had a city in which, when I took over, there were 2,000 murders a year, 10,000 felonies a week, and I enforced the gun laws very aggressively. I enforced all laws very aggressively, and that's the reason we reduced shootings by 74%, we reduced homicide by 67%, and we went from being one of the most dangerous cities in the country to being one of the safest. As far as that's concerned, what I believe is the Second Amendment gives people an individual right to keep and to bear arms. Government can impose reasonable regulations. Generally, those reasonable regulations would be about... Let him answer, Let me finish. 
generally those reasonable No, I'm not going to let him finish because time is up here. But let me tell you this. He should have been booed because you can't say that the Constitution guarantees a right and then that the government can limit that right. The Constitution gives that right to the people. And Rudy gave a utilitarian argument. Well, uh, I reduce crime in my city. But uh, that's falling into the trap of those who would eliminate guns altogether. If you eliminate all the guns, nobody's going to be killed by guns. And uh, so I think Rudy there equivocating on the right to keep and to bear arms. He doesn't equivocate when it comes to the right to privacy, so-called, and abortion, a right that is not clear and not explicit in the Constitution. When we come back, debates on Iraq. Ron Paul versus John McCain. We'll be right back. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Whether we ought to go to Mars is uh, not a decision that I would want to make, but I would certainly want to make sure that we expand the space program because every one of us who are sitting here tonight have our lives dramatically improved because there was a space program. Whether it's these screens that we see or the incredible electronics that we use, including the GPS systems that got many of you to this arena tonight. Some of you were late because you didn't have one, by the way. Or whether it's the medical technologies that saved many of our lives or the lives of our families. It's the direct result of the space program. And we need to put more money into science and technology and exploration. Now, whether we need to send somebody to Mars, I don't know. But I'll tell you what, if we do, I've got a few suggestions, and maybe Hillary could be on the first rocket to Mars. <laughs> All right, that's Mike Huckabee. He's running for president of the United States. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. We're talking about the YouTube presidential debate last night on CNN. And, of course, Huckabee, funny and saying that Hillary ought to be on that first spaceship to Mars, a good laugh line. But I actually have a problem with this answer because the questioner asked this. President Kennedy pledged to get a man on the moon in 10 years. And why are we saying we're not going to do it for 20 or 30 years? We have more technology today. And But I thought Huckabee's answer was interesting and wrong. He said, I don't want to make that decision. Did you hear it? In fact, Larry, I want you to cue it up again. I want to play the beginning of that answer. Listen to this answer, and then we'll cut it. 
Whether we ought to go to Mars is uh, not a decision that I would want to make. But there. Stop there. It's not a decision I would want to make. And the questioner was saying, look, presidents call us to do great things and to dream and to be bold. Now, if Huckabee doesn't think we should go because we can't pay for it, that would be one thing. But to say I would want to make the decision, he will be the titular head of the federal government, he will be the man to make that decision if he's elected president. He'd start thinking that way if he really plans to be president of the United States. But uh, one reason some people oppose this is it's going to cost so much. In fact, Ron Paul responded immediately to say, wait a minute, we don't have money to go to Mars. We don't have money to expand the space program as Mike Huckabee wants. And uh, Ron Paul has been contrarian on a lot of issues And he's principled, though, because his view of the Constitution and the role of the federal government is a very conservative and limited and libertarian view. And here he is with John McCain sparring over the war in Iraq. Congressman Paul, I've heard him now in many debates talking about bringing our troops home and about the war in Iraq and how it's failed. And uh, I want to tell you, that that kind of isolationism, sir, is what caused World War II. We allowed, we allowed, we allow, allow him his answer, allow him his answer, please. We, we allowed, we allowed Hitler to come to power with that kind of attitude of isolationism and appeasement. Okay. And I want to, and I want to tell you something, sir. I just, I just finished having Thanksgiving with the troops. And their message to you is, the message of these brave men and women who are serving over there is, let us win. Let us win. Right. That's what they want. We will. Please. Now, Ron Paul. Get to Iraq. Listen for Ron right. Paul. Let me, let me just remind... Let me just remind everyone that these people did take a lot, of que- a lot of time to ask these questions, and so we do want direct questions to the answers. We will get to, to Iraq later, but I do have to allow Congressman Paul 30 I, seconds to respond. Absolutely. The uh, real question you have to ask uh, is, why do I get the most money from active duty officers, military personnel? So what John is saying is just totally distorted. He doesn't even understand the difference between non-intervention and isolationism. I'm not an isolationism. An isolationist. I want to trade with people, talk with people, travel, but I don't want to send our troops overseas using force to tell them how to live. We would object to it here, and they're going to object to us over there. So there it is, Ron Paul and John McCain duking it out on the war in Iraq. And we could spend a whole show on the difference of philosophy between those two men and actually Ron Paul and the entire Republican field. But uh, we'll keep following this. Uh, I want to say there was something interesting last night uh, that happened several times. It's repeatedly come up in this campaign with the Democrats and particularly the Republicans, and that is there's more discussion of God, the Bible, faith, heaven, and hell than we've ever heard in debate cycles. I actually think this is a good thing for Americans to feel like they can talk about theology in a presidential debate. And we're going to listen to a couple of answers because the question was this. Someone held up a Bible and said, do you believe in every word of this Bible is true? Here's Rudy Giuliani's answer. The reality is I believe it, but I don't believe it necessarily literally true in every single respect. I think there are parts of the Bible that are interpretive. I think there are parts of the Bible that are allegorical. I think there are parts of the Bible 
that are uh, meant to be interpreted in a, in a modern context. So, yes, I believe it. I think it's the greatest book ever written. I, I read it frequently. Uh, I read it very frequently when I've gone through the bigger crises in my life, and I find great wisdom in it. And it does define, to a very large extent, my faith. But I don't believe every single thing in the literal sense of Jonah being in the belly of the whale or... You know, there, there are some things in it that I think were put there as allegorical. All right, that's Rudy Giuliani. And, you know, he starts off with a fairly good approach to this question. But I, again, I think the further he talked about it and how often he read the Bible, it was probably less and less convincing. And particularly when he said the story of Jonah, he did not take as literally true. That's not going to connect with uh, evangelical Christians Rudy's got a problem, again, on abortion, on homosexuality, on Second Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms, and on illegal immigration. And I really believe it's going to be very tough for him uh, to win the Republican nomination. He may, but it's going to be a long, hard battle. But the real question on this program is, you know, what is the proper way to think about Holy Scripture? Here's Governor Mike Huckabee. Sure, I believe the Bible is exactly what it is. It's the word of revelation to us from God himself. And the fact is that when people ask, do we believe all of it? You either believe it or you don't believe it. But There it is. You believe it or you don't believe it. And he said more, and he talked about interpretation. But um, whether or not the presidents understand this, we want to give the correct view here, and that is this. It is God's word written. It is the written revelation of God himself through human authors. The Bible is inspired, it's inerrant, it's infallible, and yes, the Bible contains hyperbole, the Bible contains allegory, but Jonah in the whale is not one of those instances. In fact, Jesus uh, believed it was historical fact, and Jesus compared his own length in the grave before his resurrection to those three days that Jonah spent in the belly of that great fish. So, Dr. Crystal wrote a book, why I preach the Bible is literally true. That's the way to think about it. It's pretty obvious where there's symbol, hyperbole, and allegory. Next week, Pat Buchanan on illegal immigration, Brent Bozell and Ted Baer on the movie The Golden Compass. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live a Christian Worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.